Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and we're so glad you're with us today for uh, another installment in a series where we're just explaining who Centerpoint is, and we're calling this series The Centered Life. And today we want to talk with you about our vision, where we're going. Last week we talked about our mission, what we're trying to do, and we'll review that a little bit today. But we're also talking about our vision, so where are we going? And uh, to join me here today is Shane Seegers, and he is a member of our staff. If you haven't met Shane, he is the one who works with all of our... We're a multi-site church. We have uh, work going on in different congregations. We've got a little network of congregations together here at Centerpoint. And Shane is the one who works with our site pastors who lead each of those efforts. And so, Shane, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah, and today we want to talk with you about uh, where is Centerpoint headed, and how does that apply to each one of us? And... Uh, I think you're going to find it really helpful. We got a catchy title for today's uh, uh, talk on Centerpoint's vision. It's called Centerpoint's Vision, okay? (laughs) And so inside your bulletin, if you pull that out, you'll find some fill-in-the-blank items. You need a pen, please raise your hand. And Shane, would you have a word of prayer for us and ask God to bless us today? Father, we uh, thank you for this opportunity we get to come and to worship you. Lord, thank you for those baptisms, God. Uh, Just a reminder that you are changing lives, that hearts are being uh, one and you're bringing new life to people god thank you for allowing us to be a part of that lord we come now and we ask that you would speak to us god like john always prays it you would speak and move us out of the way god that's what we want to hear we want to hear your word not just uh, describing what kind of church we want to be god we want you to speak to each one of us individually that we would hear your call on our lives how we can fulfill not just a purpose that we have but your purpose for us, your mission, and what you've left us here for. So God, speak clearly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, point one on your outline simply reminds us of where we started last week. I want to get some spirit because the mission and the vision go together. And uh, I want to explain to you, uh, because uh, the mission is what we're trying to do, and the uh, vision is how are we going to go about doing that. So uh, our mission is this. Why do we exist? Centerpoint Fellowship Church exists to center lives on Christ by fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. And again, we went into this, unpack this in detail last time. Let me just review it here. The great commandment is um, what we call the little passage of scripture that follows there from Matthew 22 when Jesus was once asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Here was his answer. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, demands of all the prophets, are based on these two commandments. You want to sum up the whole Bible? It's all about relationships. It's about a right relationship with God. That would be the vertical relationship. And it's about a right relationship with others. And so we want to put a strong emphasis on that here, where we're always, we want to design our whole church to help us grow in a right relationship with God and with others. The Great Commission, Jesus also said this. These are some of his final words before he ascended into heaven. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He was telling the disciples there to go and make disciples themselves. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, Shane mentioned in a prayer, so I can go here at Prattville, we had some baptisms this morning at each, of the, at each of our services today. We're baptizing folks who profess faith in Christ. The Lord wants us to go out to the whole world, tell them the good news about Jesus, baptize them, and bring them in, teach them to love others more and to love God more. And so that's our mission uh, here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. But Shane, this isn't just a mission for our staff. This is a mission for each one of us individually, right? Yeah, I think that's an important thing for us to remember. Why is this even recorded in Scripture? If it was just for 
at that time because Judas had betrayed him. There was 11 disciples or apostles left after Jesus died and was, was risen. And he, he told this to his followers, go and make disciples. And again, if it was just for them, it wouldn't have been recorded. It would have just been words for them. But it's recorded for us. And, and that's what's so important is this is not a great commission that's for a group of people or just for those people. The great commission is for you and the great commission is for me. Because when we stand before Christ at the end of the day or at the end of our life at eternity, and he asks, he's not going to ask us what do we do to get saved. He did all the work in order for us to get saved. But he's going to ask us what did you do with what I've given you? And that's the great commission. All of us are going to have to give an account for what we've done. And we all want to hear the well done. And so it's important that we remember this is the commission for us or for me individually. Yeah, and the same with the great commandment. It's not just a commandment for a few of us need to love others. All of us need to love others, to love our neighbors ourselves. It's not just a commandment for a few people. Hey, you need to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you're on church staff. Me, I can love him. Uh, between 10 and noon on Sundays and sometimes on Wednesdays, okay? I mean, that's not it. There's no part-time to this. If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a follower of Christ. If I've been adopted into God's family, then I'm one of his kids. And so that's the life application here. God wants all of us to get involved. God wants all of us to get involved. Would you say that with me, please? God God wants wants all all of us to to get get involved. involved. That includes you and me and all of us. This is what Jesus said to the disciples as the Father sent me. I'm sending you. Now, Jesus was indeed the Son of God walking the face of, earth, face of the earth. The disciples are just ordinary people, and you'll find that all throughout what we're talking about today. These are commands for ordinary people. And the reason why we go over that, and we're spending some time on this again today, is I don't want any of us to miss the point that, well, Centerpoint has a mission statement. Organizations need a mission statement. You have to hang it on a wall, but it doesn't really have anything to do with what you actually do. Well, no, this has everything to do with what we actually do. Because Centerpoint was started a little less than six years ago by very ordinary people who said, we want to start a church that helps us do that, do those two things, to love God more, love others more, and carry out the Great Commission. Well, that's three, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, that helps us do those things. I wasn't going to call your mouth into a question. <laughs> yeah, like, that's good. <laughs> but anyway, the, the whole idea is, and that brings us to point two, when we talk about our vision, how are we going to carry this out? Well, Centerpoint was built to carry those things out. So I could help you and you could help me love God more, love others more, and carry the good news around the world. So everything that follows here now, we're just trying to live this out and we're trying to put a structure in place to get this done the best way we know how. So don't miss that. When we call you to be a part of Centerpoint, this is a part of something that's built that we all help each other do. It's not just a place where we want to draw people to a worship service for an hour on the weekend and then they can watch a few professionals sing and a few professionals talk and then go home and feel better about something. Oh, I learned something today. I mean, worship services are a vital part of what we do. They help us love God more. But we want us to carry this out every day. And so everything that follows is how we're going to try to unpack that together as a church. Yeah, and if I can, that's one of the things I loved when I came to Centerpoint. And, and John and the elders sharing with me the vision and what God is doing. I love the fact that it was not church designed for how can you guys help us, the staff or the workers, do the work. It was always designed for how can we help you do what God's calling you to do. And I just said, man, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Yeah, and so I'm going to come back and read point two in a second about us being a multi-site 
church and where that all goes in a little bit, but I need to draw this little diagram first. Let me go to point A first, and I'll come back and read this. Uh, on point 2A, we intentionally use a multi-site church strategy to go wherever God leads us. The Great Commission was go and make disciples. Well, if we're going to go, well, what part of our strategy helps people go or helps us all go? Well, it's this multi-site approach. We started the church here in Prattville, and um, since we've always wanted to be a church that said, hey, we want to help people go and tell other people about uh, Christ, well, we said, well, we're, we want to start sites in various places, not just in one. We don't want to just build a building and tell everybody, hey, come, learn, and then some of you can go. What if we built the whole thing so the whole thing was going? Well, that's the idea. So from Pratville, we started an extension in Pike Road. There's a congregation that meets there on Sunday mornings. There's two services there now, right? That's correct. Yeah, on the other side of Montgomery at 930 and 11. We got Pike Road. We got uh, a site, a location in Wetumpka. A congregation is meeting there right now. We got a congregation that's meeting in Cloverdale in Montgomery. And then we're working on some other places, and I'll just put a question mark there. We'll introduce some of those right now. But the whole thing was built this way because here's here's the reasoning behind it. What if there were people that were coming to our church? What if we started a, a congregation, an extension of our church on the other side of Montgomery, 40, 35, 40 minutes away? Now people who only would have visited and said, wow, I like that church, but I'm not driving 35, 40 minutes each way to come to worship. I'm not going to go be involved with a small group of a bunch of people I'll never see during the week. If you had a church like that in my neighborhood, I'd go. Okay, well, we'll bring it to you. Now there's a congregation there. They can worship there. The small groups that are formed here in this neighborhood, these are people who see each other at the grocery store and when they're going about at school and, and PTA meetings and other things like this. Same in Wetumpka. Same in Cloverdale. Now we have people, people groups right there who are praying for their community and know the needs of the community. I mean, it was really fun in Cloverdale. They've kind of got a school backpack drive going on and meeting a need there. In Wetumpka, it was fun this summer. There were a bunch of folks who was a an arts festival that goes on in July. It was hot as blue blazes. But anyway, they were out there, and they, had, they were cutting watermelon, giving away, getting to meet people in the community. Pike Road, the same thing. They're meeting needs where there's no way we'd know all those needs here in Prattville. And the idea is, what if we took it to them? And you go, well, is that biblical? Yeah, in Acts 1-8, a couple of more of the, a few more of the last words of Jesus. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What if for us at Centerpoint we kind of modified that? Hey, we told people about people in Prattville, in the River Region, in the state of Alabama, and to the ends of the earth. I mean, what if? Like one of the places we have now, Shane, there's actually a group, a small group that's formed in Houston, right? Yeah, a friend of mine uh, said he wants to, to be a part of loving God and loving others and making disciples. He's moved to, to Houston, Texas. He and his wife are taking jobs as school teachers, and they're starting a small group in their home, and they're hoping to continue to multiply that and to be a part of what we're doing. But that's the most exciting thing ever is to see people say, I can go and be a part of what God's doing, and it just takes the intentionality of someone saying, I want to be on a part of that, to be used by God. Yeah, I mean, in our city, in our county, in our state, other countries like Texas, I mean, it's incredible where this thing could go, okay? <laughs> but uh, the idea behind this is this isn't a complicated procedure to get this going. These are some simple steps. I'm going to write these out if you wouldn't mind kind of walking us through that, Shane. Yeah, our strategy, you can put in, in the blank, is simple. And I just want to remind people, it has to be simple because, I, I mean, I'm doing it. I mean, it's got to be simple so all of us can do it. And this is how it works. We didn't come up with this. We learned it from... 
from others who are doing it. There's a church in Washington called Christ the King that's doing it. But honestly, if you ask them, where'd you get it from? They'd say from the Bible. And it's very clear. It starts off with, you see a question mark. And the question mark, I call it the Henry Blackaby question. I don't know if any of you have ever taken the experience in God study where you ask, you know, where's God at work? Because you want to join him there. We don't want to be a church that just says, God, this is what we're going to do it and ask you to bless it. We want to join God where he's already working. And then the key, and then the next step is to find a leader. And we'll talk a little bit more about a leader because some of you might think, well, I don't know if I can be a leader. But a leader is just a person of influence, a person who goes first, who's intentional. And all of us can be people of influence. And let's remember, God always chooses to work through a leader or an individual. He's worked through Moses. He worked through Joshua. He worked through David. He worked through Paul. And you might think, wow, those are all exceptional leaders. But you'll also see as we read later on in Scripture, they work through some very ordinary people that you've never heard before either. And that's how God works. He finds a leader. And then we'll know a person is a person of influence or a leader when they can have a group. And we're not asking that group that has to be a hundred people. We're saying, can you influence three people? Can you influence ten people? Can you influence fifteen people? It's something, again, that we all have some sphere of influence, but that's how we know we have a leader if there's a group. And then the next step is to challenge that person to say, okay, let's not just become a group where you're the one person doing everything. Let's raise up other leaders. Let's help other people, each one of us, become a person of influence. And we can start multiple groups. And again, we're not asking people to do something that's too hard. All of us can influence people. And then when you have multiple groups in, a, in an area, then why not say, hey, let's get together every once in a while. Let's gather together. We can gather together for worship. Uh, we can gather together to do fellowship opportunities. We can do uh, ministry and mission and service. And then when a, a group begins to gather and they begin to see, God's given us a heart for this area. Then we can look at forming a site, which is what we have here and in our other three locations, where we have actually worship services every week. And we have a children's ministry and a couple of very simple ministries to support what goes on on Sunday morning. But it doesn't just end with starting sites. Because the goal is always to multiply leaders, to multiply us, individuals, as people of influence. And so we end with the same question we started with. Well, God, where else are you working? Where else can we go? And that's what we want to do over and over again. So now I want to read our vision statement. Center Point's vision, where are we going? Our vision is to become a multi-site church which multiplies leaders to form groups that will serve their communities, share the good news of Christ, and gather for worship in a thousand locations. And that's not a misprint. Put a thousand there so we would always be going, Lord, where do you want us to go next? We'd always keep asking that question, where are you working next? And I love that it has a flow to it. I mean, if you look at the mission statement there, it's, hey, we are a multi-site church, but it exists to multiply leaders. That's us. We make disciples. That's the Great Commission. That's all a disciple is, a person of influence. So we make disciples, and then they form groups. That means you're making other disciples. And then you serve your communities. We love other people. That earns us the right to be heard so we can share the gospel with people. And then as we share the gospel and people give their life to Christ, guess what? Church bodies, our sites, our congregations are formed. And it's a natural overflow. I just want people to understand it's nice that we're out trying to fulfill the Great Commission and and launch sites and build churches. But it's more about us being the church than just building the church. And it starts with each of us being disciples and making other disciples. And that's why we intentionally multiply leaders. 
We'll get people in groups. Leaders are just people of influence, like uh, Shane said. We, wanted, we built this church so you'd have a place to grow. And all of us then could grow to the place where we can be people of influence on our own families. One day on our own kids. On our own brothers, our own sisters. And then the people who live next door to us. All of us, we want to get every person to that place. Where I can be praying for my neighbors right across the street. Are all of us going to be leaders who go and start a site somewhere? Obviously not. But all of us can be a leader praying with our kids. I prayed with a mom the other day. She and I and her son prayed. They were on their way home from baseball practice, and he wanted to ask Jesus into, her, into his heart. And his mom said, we can do that right here. And he said, no, it won't count unless the preacher does it. So anyway, they came to my office. That's a true story. <laughs> Put the official prayer on there, okay? But I wasn't the one who'd explained everything to him. His mom had. I prayed with him. Why wouldn't we want everybody to be a person of influence like that? Why wouldn't we build a structure that helps everybody do that? That's what we're trying to do. Y'all, that's why we want you to be in small groups. We want you to be a part of something here where we can all grow. And some of us will be called to the neighbor next door. Some of us might be called to start a new work in a new city. How do I know? You know, I don't know. In fact, in, the, in Ephesians 4, it tells, it pretty much gives my job description right here and Shane's as well, all of the people on our staff. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. The pastors, teachers, evangelists, those apostles, they were given as gifts to the church. The church are the people doing the work here. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what Shane was saying a second ago. Not just to be people who stand up front and people watch. Hey, let's all go watch that person do ministry. No, it's the other way around. Our worship services here, hopefully, are to inspire all of us to worship God more. To serve him better. Our small groups so we can build relationships. Our service projects and other things so we can serve the community. In Titus 1.5, Paul wrote to Titus. He said, look, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Elders were just leaders in those towns. You've got to think of Crete the way we think of a big city here with suburbs. Well, Crete was an island with villages. And in each village they went and they proclaimed the gospel when people responded, they organized a small group there. And I, I, don't you understand, like I would, the elder is the, the leader in charge of that, right? That's right. And then, you know, just go from town to town. Because as we start to look at, like a Houston, it's one thing when we notice we are at Prattville, hey, we could start a location because there's people who live in Montgomery who attend our service. We can go there. But when we start talking about Houston, there's no center point in Houston. And again, it's not just about planning center points. It's about seeing God's kingdom expanded. But it takes an individual to say, I want to make a difference there. And so this is great. This is just what Paul told us to do. It's yeah. not a, we're not up here saying, who we're un, you know, unpacking a brand new vision and mission statement and strategy. No one's ever heard. I think, honestly, what we've done is say, God, we want to look at your word as openly as we can and honestly and say, would you show us how it's supposed how you want us to do it. And I think he does that. Hey, go put out leaders at every town and help them to grow and to teach other people so that they can go to other towns. If you flip your outline over, where are we going to find all these people? Oh, that's not my job. This is the best part about the whole thing for me. When you expand a church and you want to do what God wants to do, the key part of it is our elders do this, our staff, myself. I pray for this all the time. If you want to know what I pray for, we're always praying for more leaders. That's the note at the top of the page. Jesus said to do this. When he sent out his disciples, he said, look, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And if you'd circle two words, him and his, this is his great commission. I'm asking him, the Lord of the harvest, to send his workers into his fields. We're just training them up and equipping them and organizing things so we can work together. That's it. But God's the one who brings them. And we pray for people all the time. And what's so great is the guys that we have that are leading each one of these efforts right here, every one of them would tell you, ask them, how did John Schmidt talk you into doing this? They go, he didn't talk me into anything. God put such a burden on my heart. I came up and said, can I please go? I mean, if you're wondering what kind of fool, I mean, brave person would go out there, okay, and do this, well, the people answering God's call. Everyone who's in a connect group, of course not. Like I said, some people in a connect group, they may be called to lead another connect group. Some people in that connect group are called to serve and pray for the other people. Some, some of you today, as I'm talking, will be called to follow the Lord, to take another step, to step up in leadership. Some of you right now are experiencing that. You're going, I can't believe he's talking about this. Because you're getting hit from all different sides. It happened to me. People ask me, well, how did you know God called you into full-time ministry? Well, I'd been, uh, I got involved in a Christian ministry in college, and I prayed about taking the first job. The first job I had was an in, as, an, with, as an engineering position with a company that brought me to Montgomery, Alabama. And while I was here, I met my beautiful wife, and we were dating at the time. We went to hear a speaker at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Montgomery. A woman by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. She has since passed away and gone home to be with the Lord. But her husband uh, was a missionary who was killed sharing the gospel with a tribal group that was very hostile to the Christian message. They killed him uh, for sharing his faith. And she was there that night when we went to hear her speak to share her testimony about how God had used that in her life. To, and she actually went back and reached this unreached group herself. She took her family there. And it was amazing what God did to them. Anyway, before she got up to do her message, she stood up and she said, hey, before I share what God has on my heart tonight, I, I put on my heart tonight, I really want to share with everyone here um, that there's somebody in this room who needs to answer a call to full-time ministry. And God will make it clear who you are. And it was about at that time that I felt like I was just going to throw up. <laughs> and I was dating my wife at the time, and she looked at me, and she go, are you okay? And I go, I have no idea. So but if I you're about I'm, to throw up, this message is yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's not the best impression you want to make on people and you're going, oh man. But I couldn't even, I couldn't even sit up straight the whole time. I felt like somebody just hit me in the ribs. And uh, after it was over, I went up to um, Mrs. Elliot and I said, well, uh, you got to explain to me. Something happened here when you did. And she goes, oh, well, God has put a call in your life. When he opens the door for you to go, you must go. I mean, she was talking about like all this stuff. That's just like what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, it's the Great Commission when he's opened a door for you. And, well, why would he have brought me here? And she goes, well, maybe he brought you here to make some significant connections, like the beautiful woman to your right. And I ended up marrying her, and she's been my partner in this ministry. And maybe I made connections with all kinds of wonderful ministry here, which I did. And when God opened the door for me to go, I went. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when she said that, I knew it was me, and I knew I would have to answer. And some of you are experiencing that right now while I'm talking. There will be people who watch this message online who will experience this maybe a month from now or a year from now. Because God's Holy Spirit is seeking people out all the time. And if you want to know where we're going to find all these people to go, the Lord himself will find them. You have elders that pray for this all the time. 
You have staff people that pray for this all the time. Shane, you and I, we pray for this all the time. Yeah, we pray for it all the time. And some of you right now, you're feeling, and I want you to hear, a lot of times we talk about entering into ministry, and we think it's going to be a radical transformation. I have to change my occupation and everything. I want you to know right now, some of you, I hope all of us are feeling this message, this call, because you know what? This is a message that's meant for mechanics, for bankers, for uh, nurses, for school teachers. It's meant for... Wherever you are. Why don't you take us into that next life application? Where are we? Sorry. Right no, yeah. <laughs> that was a smooth transition. He put transition. me on that. Hey, yeah, let me wow, just nice good. and smooth. Our life <laughs> application is God is calling ordinary people to do his work. And that should be really encouraging for us. It should also be challenging. Because there's nothing about the call now that eliminates you. He uses ordinary people. And it should be encouraging because now you get to play. That was what our whole last series was all about, training camp. It was about stirring within us the desire to be ready because God wants to use you no matter who you are or what you've done. He can, he can use you to work through you. And now we're saying, God, I'm ready. Put me in. I want to play. I want to make an impact for you. And so... First Corinthians, yeah, First Corinthians 1, 27 through 29, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who think they're powerful, who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. I mean, their society, just like our society, we tend to elevate people because of power or influence or, or affluence or wealth or whatever it is, or beauty. But God chooses to use ordinary people so that we can't take any of the glory for ourselves. So we intentionally multiply leaders who are just ordinary people who can influence the people wherever God calls them and to whatever level. All of us are called to lead at some level. We intentionally are also multiply small groups here. Again, our whole structure where we're going, if we're going to get to 1,000 locations, well, it's going to have to at least start with 1,000 leaders and 1,000 leaders then who would form 1,000 small groups. At the very minimum. And so um, the thing we're always looking for is small groups. And again, what Shane mentioned before, and this ties in with ordinary people as well, there's a part of Scripture that we hardly ever read because it contains a whole list of names that are hard to pronounce. And it's the last chapter of Romans. Romans contains lots of great theology, and we'll mention some of it again a little bit later. But it also wraps up where Paul gives his greetings to a bunch of ordinary people. Listen by name. Just listen to this. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. This is Romans 16. These are just a few selected verses. And my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friends Epinetus. My dear friend Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Greet Apelles, a good man of whom God approves, of whom Christ, whom Christ approves. And give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa. You get the idea those are probably like twin girls, like <laughs> Betty and Billy Sue or whatever, you know? I'm, I'm glad you, you read this instead of yeah. asking me to read it. I mean, if they ask me, what do you think of Tryphena and Tryphosa, I'd say try again. Okay, on those names. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, that are, and to dear Persis, uh, who has worked so hard for the Lord. I mean, don't get hung up on the names. Get hung up on the fact that Hey, Priscilla and Aquila, you know where they, Priscilla and Aquila, they, they're mentioned two or three times in scripture. They were in Ephesus, they were in Corinth, they were in Rome. Wherever they went, apparently they opened their home for ministry. 
ordinary people. The church that met in their house. Now their house could have had a living room that seated 700. I understand. I doubt it. I'm pretty sure it was an ordinary style house. And this guy Epinetus, he was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Well, what if we have work going on in Wetumpka and the folks from Wetumpka reach a fellow who's a part of a connect group and all of a sudden he feels led, hey, his hometown was Tallahassee. And what if he's the first person to go start a small group in Tallahassee? I mean, I doubt his name would be Epinetus. It might closer be Bubba, okay, or something. <laughs> but but what, if, what if we went out there? And what if Epinetus is just Greek for Bubba? Okay, we don't know that. But the point is... Bubba, is, Bubba does attend Wetumpka. Oh, okay, well, that's true. Bubba, Sorry, you Bubba. Just got okay, anyway, you just got the call. Okay, <laughs> anyway. But the whole idea is... What if, what if he goes out and starts a small group? And then that small group grows, and he trains a leader. And now there's two, and each of them start a small group. And after a while, they go, hey, you know, we got 30 or 40 of us here. What if we start a worship service in Wetumpka and in Tallahassee? And now the folks in Tallahassee, they don't have to drive all the way to Wetumpka. They're right here. This is our little worship service. And we got service projects that are specific to our neighborhoods. And what if the folks in Cloverdale did the same thing? And what if you knew that we have two and three groups out in Slapout that are already meeting, and one day we could probably have uh, an extension, a worship service going on every week someplace in Slapout? Well, why would we want to do that? Because there's all kinds of people who live around there who don't go to church. All kinds. They don't know Jesus. And what if we told them? And what if we brought them in and grew them up? And what if some of them were called and they were sent out? I mean, the important thing is that not that all of us have to go somewhere. The important thing is that all of us are praying about this because some of us will be called to go and some of us will be called to send them. But what an exciting opportunity. And what if we built the whole thing to make that happen so all of us could respond to whatever God is calling us to do? And y'all, that's our dream here at Centerpoint, that we've built the apparatus, that we've built the whole thing so we could love God more and love people more and go tell them all around the world through leaders and small groups who gather, who would serve their community, spread the gospel, and then gather for worship. So here's a life application. You and I, we can serve our communities and share the good news more effectively together. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Did you love that? Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds, good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. And encur- but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. That's all we're doing here. We've been thinking of ways we can do this together. And this is what we've come up with. And so if you wonder why Centerpoint doesn't have just one large location in Prattville and tell everybody to come, it's because we feel like we'll do a better job of discipling and sending by spreading out that more is better than bigger. And that's what we've been thinking about and praying about for these last six years. I think and also that's where God's calling us. Go ahead. Yeah, I think also if you notice, you can just go back and just look at it says we intentionally multiply leaders. Oh, yeah. We intentionally start small groups. You know, uh, it's because if it doesn't if we're not intentional about it, it's not gonna happen. You know, we intentionally use multi site to go and reach all of these different locations because that's where God's called us to go. But if we're not intentional about it, and it's not just the church. Again, I want us to keep going back to me. If I am not intentional about being a person of influence, if I'm not intentional about being in a connect group or starting a connect group, 
If I'm not intentional about praying for a location or, or people that I know, then it's probably not going to happen. And the whole point is, is we don't want to just stand and go, well, we just didn't know. God's clearly told us to go. Yep. And so we just want to make sure it's going to happen. And that brings us to our last point here. Our goal of a thousand locations always keeps that in front of us. It always keeps arrows out. And that church that Shane mentioned before, Christ the King, we went and visited. And one of the things that really impressed me was they kept using this phrase, arrows out. And when I asked the senior pastor about it, he was talking about a diagram just like this. He said, well, you know, when you, when you start talking about these locations, you're always drawing an arrow to that next location. Well, you can't make the mistake that this location is an end. I mean, this is the, where it goes, that like we're going to start a thousand things. It's not a thousand sites from Prattville. That's not the case. We're going to start a number of them from Prattville. But then when there, people have grown in Houston, well, we want to start sites that go from there and from Cloverdale. And just like we talked about, to Tallahassee or wherever. But if there's, we start a group there, then we want them to pray about what's next. Maybe Alex City. I don't know. Wherever God leads. But we always want the arrows going out. So that we're always growing. And we're always praying that people come to know Christ. Well, why is that important? Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless, if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Now let me read that first part again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Okay, hold on to that amen. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how will they hear about him unless someone goes and tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? What if we built a church that not only wanted to tell people about Jesus here, but was set up so we could go and tell people about Jesus who would tell people about Jesus and send them out to places who would send those people out to places who would send those people out to places? Wouldn't that be exciting? Amen. That was a, such a lame amen. Okay, let me start. It. I mean, the whole point here is, look, we all believe everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, then why wouldn't we build a church to do that? To help us go. I mean, if you're wondering, John, why don't you build a bigger, nicer building with bigger, nicer chairs and bigger, nicer parking lots and bigger, nicer playgrounds and bigger, nicer stuff? Why don't we have that? Is that going to help us go and reach these people? No, but I'd like it. That's why we haven't done that. What if we built the whole thing to go? Guys, do you know that people... There are people all around us who don't know Christ. Do you know, not only will they live empty and hard lives, struggling under sin and guilt and shame and addictions and pain in this life, but without Christ, when they die, they will go to hell. There is a heaven, there is a hell. And we have an opportunity to tell people about Christ in this life. What's so amazing is I read you Romans 10 where it talks about who's going to send them. Well, Romans 10 is six verses, six chapters before Romans 16 where I read about Epinatus, where I read about Narcissus and Herodian. These were the people that Paul was writing to, the people meeting in Priscilla and Aquila's living room. Hey, when are you going to go out and tell those people? They went and told Epinetus, he was the first person from the whole province of Asia. Somebody told him, it was probably Priscilla and Aquila. 
For all we know, well, who's going to tell the people if we don't go? And why is anybody going to go if we don't design the thing to go? I mean, we love it when things get to the gathering stage here and they want to start a site. We've been saving up resources, so when they need that, then we could help support them. We could help them rent a place to meet. We could help get part-time staff there to get it launched. And we want to do that over and over again. And we've set a goal of 1,000 because we never want to quit because we don't want to forget that, okay, well, we don't need to do it anymore. Lord, we'll just come here and go to church for the next 50 years. You go save all those people. I mean, it should bother us that people are struggling and dying in their sin. It should bother us that no one's going to tell some people. And we have the opportunity and we should go. I mean, it's a sad thing that if our football team loses, we can be miserable for a week. If a person doesn't come to know Christ, we don't even think about it. John, that's Dirty Pool talking about that today, okay? But isn't it true? Why would we be more upset about a football game than we would about people's eternal salvation? But let's ask ourselves a hard question. Is that not possible? I think also with the arrows out, we look at the church. You see the arrows out and we look at sites where are we going next. But let's not forget, Arrows Out is something about you and about me. Because what's our mission again? Our mission is to love God and to love others and make disciples. If we have an Arrows Out mentality, that means we're looking at someone else. If we have an Arrows In mentality, we're not being loving, we're being selfish. And if we're going to be a part of our mission, if we're going to be faithful and we're going to see God do things, it starts with each and every one of us saying, God, I want to live in Arrows Out I want to be constantly looking, where are you working? Who are the people that don't, need to, that don't know Christ and need to know? Who are, who are, what are the ministry opportunities that you've placed right in front of me? It's not just about something that the church should do or another place should be. It should be, I'm there so God can, can work and, and reveal himself. 2 Timothy 2, two, Paul said, You've heard me teach the things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Trustworthy people like uh, Priscilla and Aquila, people who were willing to use their living room, their hospitality, and their friendship as tools to reach people for Christ. I mean, that's just amazing. And that brings us to our final note. We embrace small beginnings here. I mean, we start something in Houston. It's starting with a small group. Out in Slap Out, it's, been a, it's a couple of groups. We're just praying about where that'll go. But God's stirred in the heart of uh, Paul Johnson and his wife, Pat, how they could use some of the resources they have. They want to use everything they have for the glory of God. And so we're going to pray with them and encourage them as much as we can. We want you to know this is where we're going. We want you to know that we're praying all the time that as God stirs in your heart, that you'd grow. You learn to read your Bible. You learn to pray. You learn to share and be and serve in your community. You learn to be a part of a connect group so you could love others more. You come and get involved in worship. You love God more. And when God gave you the opportunity, you'd reach out to your neighbors and friends, and if God gives us an opportunity to start another group, we'll start it. If he calls you to go, we'll help you. We built the whole thing to help us go.
Would you pray with me, please? God, I just pray for more leaders. I pray for more insight. I pray, Lord, you'd put this burning passion in our hearts. Lord, we can get distracted by a million things, by our work, by, um, I don't know, somebody can offend us, and then we don't want to be involved anymore. Lord, we'll be distracted by uh, anything. But God, I just pray that we would always keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is letting the world know about Jesus. In just a moment of silence, if the Lord spoke to you about something today, about growing, about going, about getting involved. If he spoke to you about anything today, would you say, Lord, I heard you. I just surrender my life to you. Father, we thank you for this day. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We're, um...